kind of like CNN where you get half the story, isn't it? I was sitting in the back, and I had already preached, <clears throat> so I think it was Tuesday. So Monday night, when I got done, we got back to the place, and he's studying, and <laughs> I said, so what are you preaching? He told me, and I said, oh, I said, well, don't step to it. I'm going to bed. So he stayed up working on sermons. The next morning, I'm in there, and I'm listening, and he says, uh, and there's a young preacher next to me. He's in training, you know, the, the preacher in training. Brother Dimlo says, you know, go over to Ephesians such and such. I want to show you a verse here. I looked at him. I said, listen, I've, I've been around a long time. This guy's going to go to, he's going to go to Jude 24 every time. And I opened up Jude 24. I said, just do it. He looked at me. He goes, Jude 24. And Brother Dimlo says, now, if you would turn to Jude 24. <laughs> I said, you know, you get around, you've been around a while. You'll know where to turn. And I never did tell him that I was rooting with Brother Dimlo. <laughs> That was a good time. We had a good time. Take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 5. That was refreshing, you know. We got to see some of our preacher friends we don't get to see very often. And, you know, just visit and fellowship and have a good time. And, you know, they really treat us like royalty when we're down there. It's a real blessing. So, and then uh, we got to kick back. I got to watch your pastor golf a little. I laughed really hard. <laughs> They're, they're like, do you want to golf? It's like, I really don't know how to do this, you know. And so they, him and Brother Bradshaw, they paid to go golf. And then I, I watched them for a few minutes and said, well, I can do that. I thought you were golfing. <laughs> <laughs> Mark chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 1. The Bible says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadareans, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. You notice there wasn't a big hubbub made here. Christ simply commanded, and the spirit was forced out of this, the, the unclean spirit forced out of the man. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send him away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. 
<clears throat> Here's kind of where I want to focus in tonight. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so grateful to be here tonight. We just pray, Father, that once again, if there's anybody here that's not saved, that tonight they can see the great need they have before you, Lord, to repent and trust in what you've done on the cross of Calvary for them. We pray for our nation tonight. We know the turmoil that it's in. We pray, Lord, that you'd use us in a mighty way to help spread the gospel to those around us. Lord, we pray for those that are battling with sickness. We know there's a lot of that going around. Father, you might have your hand upon them, but we pray, Lord, that for this short time we have together tonight that you might still our minds, Lord. You might still our hearts so we might be attentive to the word of God. And, Lord, you might use it in our hearts and lives. We love you, Father. We thank you and praise you for all you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Interesting when you read this that there's never a name given to this, this maniac or this demonic man of the Gadarenes. He's simply known in the Bible as he that had been possessed with the devil. That's his nickname. That's, that's what he is known at forevermore from the book of Mark anyway. And it's going to stick to him as long as he lived. And it'd be a standing sermon wherever he went. He'd be asked the story of how he came to be known as he that had been possessed with the devil. Well, that, that'll start a conversation, won't it? It will. And so what a story for any man to tell. It wouldn't be possible for us to describe his life, why he was a, a, you know, possessed with all these demons, the midnight scene among the tombs, the, uh, the cutting himself with the stones, the, the howling, the frightening away of the travelers that went near him, the binding of the chains, the snapping of the manacles, the breaking of the fetters, and all the other details that, that he alone could enter into such a story would be amazing to listen to if you were sitting around a campfire. Tell us about your experience. It would just go on and on. It would just probably be a fantastic story, wouldn't it? But with that, he tells how Jesus came by that way and how the evil spirit forced him to confront him. <clears throat> and I think he would probably say this, that was the best thing that could ever happen to me to be brought to the master, the savior, to be loosed from my chains. That's his testimony. That's a powerful testimony. They, they had had their way with him all his life. He, he would tell how in a, in a moment out went the whole legion at the word of Christ. And there wasn't a lot of fanfare. You know, a lot of times people try to over-spiritualize everything. Like salvation. It's, here's this crazy salvation experience. He simply said he went to the Lord. The Lord said, hey, get out. You're, you're not wanted there anymore. Just get out. And the power of God, by the very spoken word of God, made this man whole again. And you read this, you go, wow, what a story. That's the story I've got. That's the same story I've got. I, I lived of the world and was in the world, and I was bound by the, the devil and, and did the devil's bidding until Christ said, get out of him. 
When I repented and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, he did the work that only he could do. And the work was done. You know, and, and it's interesting, you know, when you look at this, because immediately he wants to go to Decapolis, and, and he publishes the good news. You know what amazing, after you're saved, how zealous you are with the word of God to tell people what God has done in your life? You're, it, is it that still the same way today? You still feel the same way today you did then? Well, it comes and goes, doesn't it? Depends on when you catch me. Am I at my spiritual high or my spiritual low? Because that's life, isn't it? Well, that, that, that's how it works with us. But <clears throat> if, if you can tell the same story about yourself <clears throat> to those that are around you, it's just as impactful as listening to a story like this from a man that had this. Oftentimes we have people visit uh, missionaries that, you know, Carl Anderson talked about being a biker and drugs and this, and you go, whoa, wow, well, this is powerful stuff. But you know what? He got saved the same way I did. But it's a powerful testimony, isn't it? You know why? Because the passion he tells it with. The difference is the passion of what the Savior did in his life. Listen, well, we're going to get to this in a minute. I want to get ahead of myself, but he, <clears throat> he that was possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. He got saved, and now he wanted to walk with the Lord. That was his desire. That's a natural byproduct of salvation is desiring to be with the Savior. That's natural. That's not unnatural. Sometimes we look and go, oh, they're just over, they're, they're too spiritual. Well, what does that mean? They're too spiritual? I don't think we have a lot of that going on. <clears throat> but think about it. You know, people... They're, when they're lost, they're emboldened as lost people to be against the things of God. It ought to be the same once we're saved, right? We should be that emboldened for the things of God. It, it ought to make us, uh, give us a desire to press forward constantly for the things of God. You know, if you, were, if you weren't lukewarm when you saved Satan, then why are you lukewarm when you serve Christ? Listen, people serve the devil with fervor. And then they get saved and say, oh, I don't really want to get involved in that. It's interesting, isn't it? I'm just saying. I know how it is in my life. I'm just telling you how it is. But look at, the, look at some observations here from this passage. Look how these men's desires differed one from the other. When you look in verse 17, back in verse 17, look at their desire. And they begin to pray him. They, those swine owners, those pig farmers, <clears throat> they pray Jesus Christ to depart out of their coast. We need this guy out of here. <clears throat> In the 18th verse, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Now, these are familiar passages for you folks. I'm not going to rehash a lot of this. But you have some people that wanted Christ to go away, but the man that got cured didn't want Christ to depart. So you see a contrast here. Number one, you belong to one or, the, one or the other class. You either desire to have Christ here or you want Christ gone and you don't want him bothering you and hounding you and uh, <laughs> right that Holy Spirit convicting you. Just get that out of here because I've got things to do. Well, I hope you don't belong to those guys. I hope you belong to the, the, like the demonic man who desires Christ to be with him. But why do you suppose they wanted Christ to go away? Well, same old thing. 
I think it's because they like the peace and quiet they lived in, living their quiet, sinful lives, making money the way they did. It just happened there. These guys are <clears throat> Jews that uh, dealt with swine. Now, I, I'm not real sharp on all that Jewish stuff, but how many Jews eat swine? No, they don't. There used to be a guy here that ran the, the Pizza Hut. His name was Jimmy the Jew. That's how he introduced himself to me. I went in one night, and he said, "Why wow, you're all fancied up. And I said, well, we're having a missions conference over here at Black Road Baptist Church. And I'm a Baptist preacher. Oh, you're a Baptist preacher? I'm Jimmy the Jew. And I said, well, Jimmy, uh, we, we ordered pizza. And so we got to talking about this thing, this swine thing. I said, well, Jimmy, if you're a real Jew, what are you doing selling pork to people? He's like, well, I don't eat the stuff. He goes, there's a lot of money to be made if people eat pork. I said, well, pal, I'm one of them. No conviction is about the money, right? Now listen, if I had a real conviction that pork was bad for me, I'd have the same conviction it's bad for you. If smoking's bad for me, it's bad for you. If drinking alcohol's bad for me, it's bad for you, right? That ought to, that, I mean, that ought to be how it is. If we have a biblical standing for something that's no good for us, it should be no good for somebody else. But listen, Christ just took away a lot of money here. A lot of money went right down the toilet with these guys. When those swine took, when those, when those demons went off, got in the swine, and they jump out in the ocean, there goes the money. 2,000 head. I know somebody preached on it years ago, and they kind of did the math. It was a lot of money. A lot of pork. Right? A lot of Canadian bacon went over the cliff. That's not going to make anybody happy. That's not going to make me happy. I love Canadian bacon. But they didn't want him. They didn't want anything extraordinary happening to them. Listen, these people knew that maniac. They knew how crazy he was. They knew the life he lived. And now they're looking at the guy, and the guy's sane and normal, and you'd think you'd be happy for that, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you go, listen, whatever that guy got is what I want in my life. But it hardly ever works that way, does it? Yeah, well, I'm happy for you, pal. Now take your religion and, and get. Don't influence my family because that might happen to them. And I don't need that. I don't need my wife and kids preaching to me about all that stuff. But listen, he was in his right mind. And in your right mind, you do right things. Right? If you're saved, you're in your right mind. you got to be in your right mind to get saved. God saves us because we see that we're sinners before God. We need saved. We repent. God saves us. That means you must be in your right mind for the first time in your life. And now you're doing the things of God. And those ought to be pleasing. But there are a lot of people who say, no, we don't want that revival. We don't want that nonsense around us. It might change the way things are. <clears throat> well, possibly these people wanted the Savior gone because <clears throat> of that influence, of the money, of all kinds. of who knows what their heart was. We just know it says that they prayed that he'd leave. Just get out of here. Yeah, I, I thought about that. Could you imagine? Now, listen, I've prayed a lot since I got saved. I've never prayed for Jesus Christ to get further from me. I've always prayed that I'd be closer to him. That's always been my prayer. But not these people. They're very hard-hearted. And <clears throat> it costs them something. It, it, it's no wonder that when you get around people who sell drugs, who sell alcohol, who sell sex, Hollywood, they don't want anything to do with Jesus Christ. You know, look, look, look back to the days of Prohibition when preachers were preaching against alcohol and people were shooting preachers. You know, Brother Dimmel, I talked about this a little bit today, but 
Preachers would sit in their office with guns. And I, I, I recount one preacher writing an article and having a gun battle in his office, and luckily he won. Guy came in to kill him over the article he wrote about alcohol. That's, that's kind of the same thing. It's just a different package, isn't it? They don't want the things of God. They don't want the things of Christ. <clears throat> Listen, I'm afraid sometimes that if Jesus Christ were to come around and go into some people's houses, some people's places that say they love Christ, They'd be yelling at the wife and kids, put all that stuff up because Christ is coming in here and we don't want him in here seeing this. And you know what happens? They start praying. Oh, I pray you didn't come here today. You know, let me get things cleaned up. You come tomorrow. (laughs) You ought to be ready for Christ to come back now. You ought to be living your life that way. Listen, be sure of this, that, you know, if you're converted, your desire ought to be to have Christ in your presence. It, it, isn't it a little unwise, <clears throat> you know, for the sake of money to have Christ out of your life for the sake of this or the sake of that? You should see something wrong in your life, truly, if you're saved, when you'll sacrifice Christ for anything. There's something wrong in your life, desperately wrong in your life. Look over in Matthew chapter 16. Hold your spot here. Look at Matthew 16 real quick. Matthew 16 and verse 25, it says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profit if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Yet, <clears throat> it happens all the time. People would rather have the stuff. So they say, hey, get the, you know, they start praying for him to get out of their coast. And, uh, you know, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of men have had Bible studies in places over the years. I know when I was here, we had missionaries would read letters, and they would go to some place and start having Bible studies. And guess what? The next thing you know, the landlord essentially would pray Christ out of the area. He wouldn't renew the lease, would he? And all of a sudden, they're looking for another place. You know why? Because those Christians are coming in here praying. What happens if a, what else a bunch of people get saved? They're going to quit buying my booze. They're going to quit being involved in the sinful things I'm involved in. They don't want Christ anywhere near. He ruins business. That's the thinking. But I've been in business for years. He's helped my business. <laughs> oh, listen, when, when you're in the junk buildings I do, you pray for Christ every night. It snows. <laughs> you want him closer to your business. But, <clears throat> you know, the demonic man, he prayed that Christ might be with him. And... I think really what he wanted to be was just an attendant. He just wanted to be by his side. He wanted to be doing something for the one that had cast a legion of devils out of him. That's not too much to ask, is it? I mean, he is grateful what's happening. But he wished not only to be an attendant to show his gratitude, but a disciple that he might know him and know Jesus Christ. And we we have harped and harped and harped for years about discipleship. Here's the bottom line. You cannot disciple anybody who does not want to be discipled. You have to have the desire of the man that was healed, the demons cast out and saved, and have the desire to receive the training of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to go with his Savior. He's saying here, Lord, if you've got to leave the Gadarenes, let me leave the Gadarenes too. But what's it say here in verse 19? Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, 
Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee and have compassion on thee. He says, you're not coming with me. You know, but he had a bond with Christ and he wanted to be with Christ. And, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be in the presence of Christ all the time. Not if you're saved. If you're tempted to go back where you couldn't have Christ with you, then you shouldn't go. He didn't want to go back to those tombs, did he? He didn't say, hey, should I go back to the tombs? He said, I'm going with you. You know what? I really think in his mind he thought, listen, if you leave, I'm going to end up back in them tombs. And I don't want to be back in the tombs. But Christ is saying, listen, you're not going back to the tombs. I want you to go preach to your friends and your family and your neighbors. You're not going back there. You need to go here now. You've been saved. You've been changed. Don't worry about that. I'll take care of that through the Holy Spirit of God. <clears throat> well, you know, people always go back sometimes, though, to the devil's playground. You know, it works out poorly, too. It does. Every time, it turns out the same way every time, doesn't it? It ends the same way. I heard one time of a preacher that heard the devil got a hold of one of his church members, and he called one of his deacons and said, you go get the devil and you bring him to my office right now. And the devil comes in, and the preacher says, listen, you've got one of my church members, and I want you to release him. And the devil said, hey, listen, pal, I found him on my property. He came to me. I didn't go to him. And the preacher didn't know how to answer that. You know what? I can't, I can't, as a pastor, I can't dictate where you go and what you do and what you see and what you hear. Well, I can't do all that. I can't. I can barely get through the day doing what I've got to do. You've got to take care of you. When this man got saved, he had to take care of him. And listen, what he needed to do was listen to his Lord and Savior and the command that he was given. And that's go back and be a witness where you were, were before you ended up in those tombs. But you know what a testimony being in the same town next to where the tombs were. Hey, man, you know me? I know you. I was that crazy man in the tombs for the last 10 years. No way. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you what happened. And I, oh, you said he'd go to the next one. Now, listen, if he moved to another state and went, hey, you know the tombs over there in Alabama? And I, dude, we don't even like Alabama. And that's the honest truth. I really don't. <laughs> so, or Texas. We use all those. <laughs> but they go, I don't know what you're talking about. Really, right? They don't relate. But a guy that the people lived in that town that listened to him out there, for the first time in years, they were getting some quality sleep. Hey, honey, you hear the psycho? Maybe he died. Hey, he must have died. That's it, he's dead. Let's sleep. Wow. But no, one day he knocks on the door. Hey, I was the psycho, man. And, and the Lord fixed me. He healed me. He saved me. I'm here to tell you you need what I got. That's a testimony. <laughs> he's going to use him right where he's at. But Christ deals differently with these people. Here's an evil prayer. Get out of our coast. Christ says, okay. <clears throat> but then you got the prayer, Lord, let me be with thee. Mark 5, 18, but Jesus suffered him not. This doesn't even seem right, does it? He grants the prayer of the enemies, but refuses the petition of the saved man. 
And sometimes you go, well, this doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> well, it doesn't always have to make sense, does it? We just need to be obedient. We don't always get our way. I've been a little, I've been a Lord's service for years and years and years, and I'm going to tell you, <laughs> very seldom do I get my way. I didn't get a private jet last year. There were some other preachers praying about one. They got one. I didn't get one. Must love them more than me. <laughs> if you follow those other preachers, you know what the deal is. They're not serving God either. They're as bad as these guys with the swine. They're a bunch of charlatans. But you know what? Jesus Christ takes care of us each and every day. You know, Jesus went away from these people because it was useless to stay with these people. He knew. He knew that he could stay and preach whatever he wanted to preach, and it wasn't going to matter. They weren't going to listen. They were unteachable as far as him dealing with them. But you know what? He felt like this saved man was somebody maybe they would listen to in time. But he knew it wasn't going to be him. They came and said, we want you out of here. Sometimes you just have to go. We see time and time again where Christ said, hey, knock the dust off your feet, get to hoofing it. They don't want to hear it, go take it to somebody that does want to hear it. Listen, these, these, these pompous people with the swine, they didn't want to hear the word of God, but there were other people somewhere praying, begging to be healed by the same word that Christ brought to this demon-possessed man. So you know what he did? He went. But he said, well, I'm gone. You stay here and take care of these. <clears throat> well, sometimes that's just how it is. They wanted him to go, so he was going to go. If they heard his message, they wouldn't heed it, and he knew that. That's how it is around here sometimes, isn't it? You guys have been door knocking, haven't you? You guys wait. Just checking. <clears throat> you ever been door knocking, and they don't want to hear it, do they? They, sometimes they'll just tell you, don't ever come back here. The, I've, had, I've, I've listened to that. I was with Brother Turk and heard him say, hey, I'm busy. Don't come back here. They're just like these guys. They're just praying you to stay out, of the, stay out of the area. I don't need this. Right now, I've got my beer, my football. I've got my money. I've got everything. I, listen, life's good for me right now. Just don't bang on my door anymore. I don't want any of this. It's the same thing. <clears throat> but by going away... <clears throat> He might have saved them from some greater sin. Who knows that if Christ hadn't stayed, they hadn't tried to stone him. Maybe he saved them from some greater sin. I don't know. I don't know how that story ends. You know, I mean, it's an awful thing that if the gospel ministry doesn't, you know, doesn't save you, it's helping to damn you. You don't want it? Get it out of here. It's the same. Listen, you're going to live and die by the gospel one way or the other. You're going to heaven or going to hell. This is either the way out or the way in. It's one of the two. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. It's, the, the bottom line is, it's a fact, right? And so this evil prayer they have, it's answered. But the good prayer is not answered. <clears throat> well, look with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I, I know I've heard that you guys are doing a big mail out. You've got a lot of, how many, how many mailings are you doing, brother? How many are going out? 5,000. 5,000. <clears throat> Man, what, a, what potential there is in 5,000 contacts. There's a lot of potential there. And that's exactly what God was telling this man to do, though. 
Stay right where you're at. Contact the people where you're at. If you guys sent those all around the world, do you think they'd be as effective as they are right here where we live? I don't think they would be. You know, for number one, somebody in, in Portugal is going to go, well, I, just, I don't speak in tongues. I don't know what this says. They care less what Americans want, right? But there's a lot of people living in darkness in these villages. And it says in Acts, right here in Acts, chapter, chapter 1, verse 6, when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Well, they were still looking, weren't they? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and on the uttermost part of the earth. You know, it's everybody wants to go to the uttermost part of the earth, and they want to go to Samaria, but they don't want to deal with Jerusalem. I don't want to go next door and talk to my neighbor about the Lord. I live here. <laughs> Isn't that about it? I mean, really, you're in church. It's okay to be honest in church. How many times have you gone and talked to those people that God has actually put in your life? <clears throat> I've talked to most of the people in Nilchik at one time or another, and there's some people I'll never go talk to again. That's just, you go, well, that's a pretty cold preacher. I'm just telling you how it is. They don't want me, I'm not going. Maybe someday they'll come to me, and I'll visit with them. I have random people knock on my door, come in and sit in my office while I'm studying. You know, and they just want to talk. And you know what they're there for? Something's going on in their life. And they know that I've got the answers in the word of God. And you get to preach to them right there where you live. Listen, if I can't help see people one to the Lord where I live, I'm probably not going to do it where I don't live. We need to do it where God has put us. And I think that's just what he was telling this man here. Is it, hey, you're a Gadarene, you're in Gadarene, stay in Gadarene. <laughs> and some days I have to remind myself, God called me to Nilchik, stay in the Nilchik, and do what you need to do in the Nilchik. That sounds easy, right? You guys, oh, he just loves the Nilchik. I can't tell you how many times that I've wanted to pack up and leave the Nilchik. And I have to tell myself, this is where God called me. This is where I've got to stay. You know, and I've got to work through some of these things because this is where God has me until God tells me otherwise. I need to get to work right where I am. If God didn't want me there, he wouldn't have put me there. <laughs> you see a point here? <laughs> if God didn't want you working here, he wouldn't have put you here. He'd have put you somewhere else, but he put you here, didn't he? If he did, you should get to work here in your local church. You, you should get out in the community and get involved. And I know a lot of you are, and that's awesome. I love that. But Christ didn't desire this man to be with him just to make him comfortable. Christ came to serve and to be a servant. He didn't need somebody serving him. There was probably lots of people that would have qualified more than this guy to serve Christ, to be right by his side. He had his apostles helping him. You know, <clears throat> So, but look how he deals with different, different people. You know, some men continue in sin and they, they prosper in business. And they make a lot of wealth. And, and, and they have all that you could want to ever have. You ever, is there something in your life that you'd like to have that you know you're never going to have? Oh, I've got a list. I'm not as spiritual as you. I've got a list. 
<laughs> I'll share that with you some other time. <laughs> you know, others repent, repent, they turn to the Lord, and from the very time they get saved, it's nothing but troubles and headaches. And you go, why is the lost people get 2,000 swine and the three pigs I have die in the cold? I'm saved. I got right. My pigs are dead. You ever wondered about that? I do. Once again, not quite as spiritual as you folks. I go out and go, what's the deal, Lord? <laughs> I'm not a farmer, but your money helped buy these things. But God teaches us constantly through different things, doesn't he? I don't have to understand all of it. I need to try to learn from what the Lord is doing in my life. I, I've, seen, I've seen them both, and I, I, <clears throat> I've not envied the easy ways of the wicked. And uh, neither have I felt that there was anything very wonderful about the rough ways of the righteous life sometimes. I go, wow, you know, because all too often we see that. And you ask yourself, when's God going to step in and deal with that? That's not for me. It's for me just to do what God has me to do. It's not for me to sit around and point out how everybody else is getting over. I just need to preach the gospel. Just preach. Stay focused on what God has. But you know, thirdly, look here how good it is to be with the Lord. This man entreated of the Lord that he might be with him. You know, if, if you've been saved, I'd expect for you to have some sort of longing to be with the Lord. You ever just cried out to God in your life and been to a place where there's just, you feel like you're at a point of no return and you just need the Lord to guide you from there on because you don't know whether how to come in or go out? Well, I've been there. This man entreated of the Lord. <clears throat> in reality, though, we're a lot like Peter. You know, look over in Matthew 17. Matthew 17. And look here, just real quick, Matthew 17 and verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. What, what an awesome meeting this would have been, right? And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Listen, it's good for us to be with the Lord. He was thrilled. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for thee and one for Moses, and one for Elias. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it'd be awesome just to go walk with the Lord somewhere away from everybody and no people. Listen, if you've been in the ministry a little bit, there's some guys here that know what I'm talking about. Okay, just let's go one day where there's nobody's problems but mine, and I'm with the Lord, and that's the end of it. That's all there is. <clears throat> but then we got to go home and face our troubles, don't we? The kids are puking. Right? No, your kids never puke? What's the deal? Right? Those kids you prayed for. Remember the ones you got on your face? You cried and wept. God, just give me children. And now they're, ugh, ugh. And then, you know, your husband's over there, ugh, ugh. You know, and he can't clean it up because he's a puker too. And you prayed for him. Lord, just bring me a man. <laughs> and everything you prayed for is puking right there at 2 o'clock in the morning in your home. 
Is that where you're supposed to be or not? Is that where God brought you or not? Right? That's part of the deal, isn't it? You prayed for it. You asked for it. And God says, okay, I'll give it to you. That's the reality. You know, you come home and the cupboards are empty. The bills need paid. Do you ever go a month where there wasn't a bill to pay? No, because I have lights. No, because I have a phone that doesn't work. I pay for internet. I get, don't get to use but it comes with the phone. It's a great deal. It's a bargain. <clears throat> Maybe you got some other idea what it means to be with Christ. You know, you're so happy when you get alone and read your Bible and meditate and pray and you say, Lord, I wish I could always be like this. I want to stay in this room searching the scriptures and never leave. But that's just not reality, is it? It isn't for me because I've got lights to pay for. I, I just can't do that. You think the Lord knows that? The Lord knows that, doesn't he? And the Lord knew this man needed to get back and get to work. He's in his right mind now. He's sane now. He's saved now. There's some things he needs to do, some things he needs to accomplish. <clears throat> you know, duties come along and we have to take care of them. <clears throat> but then somebody else just says, you know, if I could just get out of secular work, and enter the ministry, then I could always be close to the Lord. Has that worked out for you, Brother Gene? <laughs> yeah, because we surrender to preach and our troubles go away. And then we step into the, the pastorate, and wow, it just gets, <laughs> you hear the angels and all those singing, and it's a perfect life. No more headaches. No, that's not the truth either, is it? Part of that is dealing with people. Lord told him, go back and deal with the people. That's, that's ministry. It's, that's, how, that's how it works, is to minister. <clears throat> I, you know, I just think about all the troubles in the world today. There's so much. We heard a, we heard a message. I'm going to preach it because we, we don't have time. I don't know what the time is. It doesn't really matter. But at the conference, we heard a preacher preach about noise, about all the noise and how the noise drowns out the things of God. And how sometimes we just need to come to the calm fountain to drink and to, to have that sweet communion with the Lord. That's how it is in life. It's just noise. It just, it doesn't stop. It's constant, constant things, you know. You think about Martha and being cumbered about with much to do while Mary was at the feet of the Lord. But listen, God expects us to go about our business and be with him. Listen, God knows you have kids. God knows husbands have to go to work. God knows the lights have to stay on. And there's a balance in all that. And, you know, we, it's just something that we have to bear. It's part of the Lord's work. And this demonic thought, I think he thought that being with Christ would make him more like the master. And there'd be no more problems ever in his life. Now, we, you know what's interesting about the Bible? A lot of times we don't have the finished story. We don't have the end of the story. We don't know what happened, do we? We know Christ said, hey... Go, go back and preach. What happened to him after that? Was he married before all this happened? Did he have children? What, what was this man's background? Well, I don't really know what his background was. You know, we don't have all the details after this account. What happened to this man? But I don't think he just got to walk around and eat for free the rest of his life. He had to, listen, he had to buy the same things you and I do. Even, even this man that Christ, back here, back here in Mark chapter 5, as he sent him away to minister to his people. 
And he tells him, you know, he goes back to publishing to Capitalists how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. There was, God was working in and through him right where this man was. But what is better than being with Christ is this. It's working for Christ. You know, think of it this way, and this may be a, I don't know, I don't know if it's a poor choice of words or not, but, you know, we're just errand boys. You know why? Christ is not in the Nilchik I am. Christ is going to work in and through the Nilchik as the Holy Spirit of God allows. And I'm not saying that, you know, you understand what I'm saying. He's, there's earthly ministries over. He needs ministers here, he needs ministers there, he needs ministers all over the place, doesn't he? We ought to take that to heart. Jesus said, go home and serve. <clears throat> Man, I'm telling you, he must have been heartbroken. But if the most honorable post on the field of battle is the place of danger, then the most honorable thing for a Christian to do is to stand up, get his armor on, and get out there in the battle. Go do battle where Christ has called you to do battle. Do something for the Lord. Stand up. Risk your reputation and your life and your everything for Jesus Christ's sake. Listen, if he's truly your all in all, you'll give him your all in all. If not, you'll know that too, and it'll be convicting. Listen, if you're saved and the Spirit of God dwells in you, God will convict you about that, what you are or are not doing. <clears throat> I, I believe this guy went on the rest of his life and was a fireball, but, you know, we should all aspire to serve the Lord one way or the other, and it doesn't matter in what capacity. I was telling Anita, you know, every time we come back, I always get all mushy, and I was telling her, you know, I still remember my first task after the church called me to be the assistant to the pastor. I said, oh, I got there. It's spiritual. I want some spiritual work, Brother Humphrey. What can I do? And he goes, there's a bunch of muck under them stairs out there. Go, go get that cleaned up out there. <laughs> You're not going to send me to someone's house to lead them to the Lord? <laughs> he wasn't going to let me go deal with the dog. Go get that cleaned up. So I went and got my shop back. And I sucked all that mud and dirt and muck and everything out of there, right? And I, re I, so I went down the stairs today, and I was walking down the stairs, and I realized, hey, Brother Humphrey's kind of an assistant now too, right? <laughs> anyway, there's lots of jobs to do for the Lord. That's a time getting away from us. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying, brother. <laughs> but you know, it's also better for the people. <clears throat> you know, Christ said, I'm going because they've asked me to go. He didn't want to cause any more troubles there in the Gadarenes. Sometimes our ministries can cause more trouble than they do good because we're just trying to swim upstream, aren't we? We're causing more troubles than are good. Sometimes we just need to back off a little bit. He said, look, I'm going to leave so these people can settle down. But they were all amazed at Seth right here. <clears throat> and all men did marvel. So after he left, all the men marveled at what Christ had done. So there is an open door for them to be saved because they're marveling at, the, at the, the, the miracle of what Christ did in this man's life. And Christ has worked a miracle in my life. You know, people that know me from the past, they're, <clears throat> listen, some of them shake their head and go, man, I just, that's awesome. They can't believe that I'm not in prison. That's a testimony. <laughs> they're just dumbfounded when they see me. And somebody says, yeah, he's a preacher now, Shh, you know. And, and they, you know, it, and, but that's a testimony to my own people. You need to be a testimony to your people. His staying put was where his family was. I don't know, I mean, I think about this. I think about if he had a wife and he's coming back, 
Imagine the fear in his wife looking out the door of the window. And here comes the maniac from the tombs. <clears throat> Her husband. Can you imagine how fearful she'd be? How afraid she would be? The kids? It's your crazy father. Hide under the beds. That's kind of what we did anyway. My dad come home because he was, he was just kind of that way, mean. Imagine when he bursts the door and says, Honey, I've been saved. <laughs> what? She probably burst into tears. Can imagine what the whole house did. What, dad's not in here? He's not crazy anymore. He's in his right mind. <laughs> yeah, and all he did was turn off Fox News. People are out there, they're, they're losing their minds these days with what's going on in the world. There's no peace. There isn't. I listen to guys and, and it's just constant. I go, man, I, you know, I don't need that in my life all day long. I don't even watch the news anymore, honestly. I haven't, I haven't watched 10 minutes of news since the election last year. For my mental health. Doesn't do me any good. Doesn't do me any good. I've read my Bible way more this year than I did last year probably with what's going on. I've been more in my Bible. All the fear that's going on, the fear-mongering. You know what? It may be that uh, I catch COVID next week and drop dead. I know exactly where I'm going when I do. And I'm going to be found doing exactly what God called me to do if I do. I'm not going to be found not doing what he called me to do. I believe this man continued doing exactly what Christ told him to do until he died. I don't think he ever forgot what God, listen, howbeit Jesus suffered him not. You know, by God's mercy, he saves him. By God's mercy, he saved me. If you're here tonight, he saved you. What are you doing with that? You just take it home and keep it yourself? Hey, God saved me. I'll bottle that up. I don't want anybody else to know. This guy went, and it says here that he published it. <laughs> he published it in Decapolis. Right, that'd be like going to the newspaper and say, listen, <laughs> I want you to print the story so it goes all over to the Fairbanks News minus what happened to me. I got saved in a revival meeting. God finally saved me out of my addiction. He saved me out of my sin. He saved my marriage. He salvaged my children. He saved me. He published it. When's the last time you published your salvation? Listen, I'm just asking. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just saying this man went and published it. That was a result of him being saved. Is God desires us to go and publish it. <clears throat> I mean, what better position is there than being commissioned of Christ? What better commission could you have than being commissioned of Jesus Christ? What, what, what other position in the world is better than being commissioned by Jesus Christ? It might pay more money. It might even make you famous, but there's no better position than just winning souls. That's the commission. You know, one of the young boys back here, I think it was Abel is his name. He, when he came in, he saw me, he said, oh, missionary. But aren't we all? I'm actually a pastor now, but I'm still a missionary. Because that's the commission. It's the great commission. We're, and we need to go publish it just like this. Listen, the demonic man was saved. He just wanted to be with Christ. He wanted to serve Christ. <clears throat> He'd seen the face of his Savior, and now he's ready to serve. And, and listen, don't ever forget, we were saved to serve. 
We weren't saved just to tithe. Don't say that in the Bible. We weren't saved just to fill pews. We're not saved just so we have more food at our, <laughs> our fellowship. We're saved to reach the lost. <clears throat> and I'm excited for what you guys are doing with these 5,000 mail-outs. You know what if just one of those people gets saved? Man, how awesome. What, what's a soul worth? What's the money value on a soul? There's no value. <clears throat> Listen, it's <clears throat> remember that when we've done all in the service of the king, we're still just unprofitable servants. You know, at the end of the day, I'm still just me. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> I'm still just a, a guy from Kansas and just that guy. <clears throat> God wants me to stay humble and stay serving. And I don't mind doing that. You know, I'm comfortable in my shoes. I don't mind being the pastor of Lighthouse Independent Baptist Church. I love it. That's where God has me. And I feel comfortable right there in my pulpit. <clears throat> and maybe God will give me another 20, 30 years to serve him. That would be awesome. Most of the men in our family dropped dead long before that. But Anita's mom and them, they lived to like 150. She'll be coming to, she'll be coming to meetings for years. I won't be here. <clears throat> Spurgeon said, so if you're as humble as you are active, as lowly as you are energetic, you may keep with Christ and yet go about his errands to the ends of the earth. And I reckon this to be the happiest experience that any one of us can reach this side of the gates of heaven. Just to serve the Lord. <clears throat> he got saved. Christ sent him home to witness. And so he published everything that Christ did, and all these men did marvel. <clears throat> That's pretty simple, isn't it? That's all he wants us to do is just be faithful witnesses for the cause of Christ. For the demo. Normally give an invitation on.